0: Your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this, this is the, pod, is the for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York.
1: You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? I mean, I never heard anybody say,
0: I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. You know, what's so good about Cleveland? What is so good about Cleveland? Yes, we are on that energy for the next however many weeks we have to talk about this series coming up. It is playoff basketball, Knicks-Cavs, game one set for Saturday. This is EJ Stewart joined by Tommy Beard. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, RDC WFAN original. We will be talking about um, this Knicks series that we have coming up. First round against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game one is set. Saturday 6 p.m. I'll get uh Tommy Beer's thoughts on not just this game but also kind of just where the season has gone for this next team, um, how they compare to the 2021 team, and also uh, kind of what we see from the Cavs and what we can expect from the Cavs in this series. We had a uh, plenty of uh time this week to talk about this series, so probably no predictions today, but we will certainly get into uh, this series and this season for the Knicks so far. We also got to hear from a lot of the key Knicks this uh during for this playoff series, Julius Randle particularly did not speak to the media, but we did get some important updates from Tom Thibodeau regarding his progress recovering from his ankle injury. So you'll hear from Tom Thibodeau on what he had to say about Julius and his likelihood of playing in Game One, and a little bit outside the purview of the playoff situation regarding the Knicks, but an important story nonetheless, not just for the Knicks but the entire NBA the league is investigating the Mavericks for alleged tanking after they decided to essentially pull the plug on their season, rest a lot of their players and what was supposed to be a crucial game for their play in contention. And with them trying to hold on to their top 10 protective pick that is supposed to go to the Knicks. Now the league is investigated whether or not they violated any anti tampering rules that the league has in place. So a very fascinating conversation about that. There are a lot of Knicks fans, who have been telling me that they think that Nick should get this lottery pick. So uh, I think that's going to be a fascinating discussion as well. So we'll get to that towards the end of the show. So a lot to get to on this episode. Tommy joins me as always. Tommy, how are you feeling? What is so good about Cleveland?
1: <laughs> oh, man, we got a playoff series to preview, to think about, to talk about. And uh, really, that that's all you can ask for with, with Nick fans and, and this fan base. Um, stuck loyally by the side of this franchise for for the last two decades or so. Um, haven't had many such occasions to, uh, and there's, and there's nothing better than playoff basketball when every possession matters and you're feeling jittery and anxious. You know, day ahead of time. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's a, a wonderful experience, and we're going to get to experience that this week. Um, the adjustments from game one to game two, and the pressure builds, and um, you know, and 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 this team has a lot of players um, that you can feel confident. Are going to are going to shrink in the moment. Um, these guys that have uh, for their career, um, you know, they got that dog in them, so to speak. Um, yeah. And the Knicks have have some dogs, and that's a uh, something you can take, uh, have some confidence in. You know, that doesn't mean they're going to win. That doesn't mean they're going to play well. Um, but you can feel pretty confident they're going to compete um, and compete at a high level. Um, so if they miss shots, they miss shots. But uh, you know, I, I expect them to um play hard play well and um give fans something to be proud of so um let's uh let's start talking about
0: it shall we let's get it so again this is orange and blue bloods and new york knicks podcast odyssey WFA, wfa and original you can get these episodes of orange and blue bloods wherever you get your podcast including the free odyssey app make sure you get the auto download feature on your streaming service so you get these episodes every time we drop also be sure to check us out on youtube as well you can catch our full episodes and uh, short videos of the episode that we do here on not just the WFAN YouTube channel, but also the Odyssey Sports YouTube channel as well. So check us out there. Make sure you subscribe to the auto uh, to the uh, Odyssey Sports channel and the the WFAN YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you find the audio version of this podcast wherever you get your podcast. So it is officially postseason time in the NBA, and for the Knicks, that means a game one matchup with the Cleveland Cavaliers Saturday. At 6 p.m., the Knicks closed the regular season on Sunday with a loss to the Indiana Pacers at home. New York finished the season with a record of 47-35, and 35, good enough to earn a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. That is a 10-win improvement from the previous season, so definitely a step in the right direction for the Knicks after a very disappointing 2022 campaign. The Cavs, meanwhile, finished their season with a 51-31 record, a 7-win improvement from the previous season. Their season wrapped up on Sunday also with a loss to the Hornets. Both teams rested their stars in the season finale as they were just kind of gearing up for this game. So I want to take this conversation to kind of maybe take a step back and look back at what we've seen from the Knicks this season. Um, how were they able, Tommy, in your eyes, to exceed expectations, get that 10 win? Uh, improvement a lot of the over numbers in Vegas for the season was setting them around 38 39 wins for them to reach 47 definitely a big accomplishment how are they able to do that yeah I
1: think you got to start with
0: Jalen Brunson
1: obviously I mean he was the, the big free agent acquisition um, really other than Hardenstein all the rotation players were on the, the, the this prior seasons roster um, so obviously the the addition of Brunson and obviously he exceeded expectations in terms of points per game and, you know, efficiency and all that other stuff. Um, but that doesn't even, you know, capture the, the real true impact that he had on this team, had on this locker room, had in practice sessions, had in film sessions. Um, you know, everyone you talk to on the team, you know, to a man um, has nothing but, uh, you know, glowing things to say, your coaching staff, front office players um, about the just the immediate impact Jalen Brunson had. And it manifested itself on the win total, um, the competitiveness of the team. Um, obviously, you know, what top five in the league in offensive efficiency, um, you know, can be directly attributed to that. So while um, there was a lot of other Important pieces and, you know, and and, and Randall deserves a ton of credit for having a huge bounce back season. We'll talk about IQ um, going from, you know, really emerging as, you know, the likely six man, the potential six man of the year. Um, Grimes establishing himself as a solid NBA starting shooting guard. The addition of Josh Hart at the deadline, Um, the the two headed monster, Mitchell Robinson playing the best best of his career. Isaiah Harden seen a very competent backup forming you know, arguably the best one to punch. Um, at the center backup center position, um, all those things are, are should all be weighed and, and factored into, um, you know, the totality of a 47 win season. But if we yep. are talking about one particular player, um, I think Brunson gets the, the lion's share of credit from that respect.
0: Totally agree. Can't can't dispute or refute anything regarding Jalen Brunson being the, the main reason for the Knicks being able to exceed those expectations. Um, you know, it, it's crazy that, you know, we talked for now almost two decades how much of a weakness the Knicks point guard position was and to see them have um, well above average. I mean, good to elite level point guard play and what that meant for this team and what, and what it meant for this franchise and how it just changed things on the dime just shows you what we've been saying for a long time is how important the point guard position is in the NBA. If you don't have one, you're basically playing with your hand tied behind your back. And that's what Nick's been doing for some time. So what Jalen brunson has been able to do, obviously a big piece, but I think uh, another piece, I think I don't want to get lost in the shuffle with this next season is the team's great job of development of their young players and embracing their young players and getting these guys real minutes. We've talked about Quentin Grimes and his insertion into the starting line. I mean, it's crazy to think that to start the season. That was uh, a very debated question i mean evan fournier was the starting shooting guard coming out of training camp uh, it's something that was mind-boggling to me and was maddening to me but evan fournier was starting uh derrick rose was getting uh key minutes still and you know cam Redis was here he's a young player obviously but cam Redis was here and a lot of the guys that nicks had drafted some of the guys that they had, should have been prioritized and really weren't getting the kind of minutes that they should have been IQ like, was not getting the kind of minutes he should have been uh mcbride was of course buried under the bench uh, Quentin Grimes was getting very limited minutes coming off of the foot injury he dealt with in training camp. And to see how those guys have improved over the course of the season, the Knicks don't get to 47 wins that they don't see that jump. If they're still playing you know Rose and, and Fournier, I don't want to bang those guys. Those guys are great professionals, and there's nothing, no beef at all for me from saying that. But if they're still playing those guys uh, April 11th as we record this podcast, I don't think you're talking about the Knicks in the fifth seat for sure. You're probably talking about them playing in a play-in, maybe, and, and they're probably playing against the team, the, the Bulls or the or the Raptors. I and mean, they're probably the ninth or tenth team in the situation. I mean, that this whole season turned when the rotation changed. So um, that's a credit to, to this organization, credit to the front office, credit to Thibodeau for understanding that that had to happen for sure. And the development that we've seen in season of these players also a major credit to Thibodeau and his coaching staff because Emmanuel quickly going from basically uh, nowhere on the on the on the stratosphere, nowhere on the he wasn't on the map when it came to uh six man of the year candidates and now comes in as we enter this postseason as a favorite to win the award. I mean again Quinn Grimes, we talk about how he's been shooting the ball so incredibly well of late. You've seen uh McBride come in in and out of the rotation. Doesn't matter if he's playing or playing not he's always ready to play. He's always ready to defend like be these guys being put into the rotation of Jericho Sims, giving these team these guys quality minutes when guys like uh, uh, uh Mitchell Robinson had gone down. Like I do want to make sure that that is something that is noted in terms of the importance of those guys and how that helped the Knicks get to this next level.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, again, in it, 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 speaking, I think the front office, again, deserves a lot of credit for trading away Alex Burks and Nerland's yeah. and, and not re-signing Taj Gibson and those type of things where, um, you know, almost forced Tibbs hands in, in certain respects. Yeah. Like he just didn't have those guys that he was comfortable with leaning on. Um, and as a result, we saw um, increased, you know, playing time for uh, Emmanuel quickly, you know, instead of, you know, being on the bench behind Alex Burks the second half of last season. Um, obviously, a ton more minutes for Quentin Grimes. Um, and and you know so that those are things that are all there and um, you know you mentioned starting point guard position and again it, it's worth noting um, here's the starting point guards. Opening night, starting point guard, 2011, Tony Douglas, 2012, Ray Felton, 2013, Pablo Prigioni, 2014, Shane Larkin, 2015, Jose Calderon, 2016, D. Rose, 2017, Ramon Sessions, 2018, Trey Burke, 2019, Alonzo Trier. (laughs) 2020, Alfred Payton, 2021, the skeleton of Kimball Walker, and then you bring in and, and then you bring in, in, in Jalen Brunson, and, and the the change is is so dramatic um, and and so incredible. Um, so yeah, so so all those things certainly factor in, um, and, and finally having somebody to captain the ship on the floor, um, and Jalen Brunson has done that um, again, incredibly important.
0: You know, hearing that list of journeyman point guards reminded me of like seeing the list of you know Cleveland Browns quarterbacks over the last 20 some odd years. I mean, that it, it's kind of odd, you know. I think partly because like the Knicks have had um so many issues for the last 20 years. Like, I feel like you know, amongst Knicks fans, they've talked a lot about the point guards. but I don't think that's really been talked about like amongst like the rest of the NBA kind of world, the national scene, in terms of what's been wrong with the organization point guard doesn't get meant didn't get mentioned nearly as much I think that's why those that were very skeptical of the Brunson um signing I think that's why they missed the boat so much I think because they didn't understand how much um again good to great point guard play would change everything for this team and that's what we've seen this season so I thought this was on the interesting um we heard from R.J. Barrett uh today as we'll record this podcast on Tuesday because you know there are great feels with this team a lot of people are excited about this team but there are some fans that are scarred from what happened back uh in 2021 when the we are here or, we here Nick's team uh you know got the fourth seed home field advantage Atlanta comes in and draper kind of burns down the garden like I, I, there are some people that are concerned saying hey we've seen this movie before like why should we believe in this team as opposed to 2021 here's what RJ Barrett had to say on that I think uh just one us having that experience already, uh, it, it helps, um, as well as just continuing to work. And we're we're a lot better than you know we were like, you know, the guys that are on this team that that were in that playoff run. We've all grown and we've all gotten better, so that that helps. Um, like I said, the experience helps, and just the guys that we have now you know, in addition, you know, things been been working well, and we've just been getting better as a team. So I think uh, I think we'll be okay. So RJ there says that we're a better team. The players that were there are better from that experience. They've gotten better individually. And they've added guys since then that make this team different than the 2021 team that struggled in the first round. I I think he's right. I 100% agree. I think that if you're a Knicks fan that's concerned about what happened in 2021, that the team are, are frauds. Uh, I think you gotta stop living in the past. I think that this is a team that, if they don't win, it's not gonna be because all oh, this team are frauds. I think they're playing against a team that, quite frankly, may be more talented than the Atlanta Hawks team that they played two years ago. But this Knicks team is also way more talented than uh, the Knicks team that played that Hawks team in 2021. So, uh, what do you think makes this Knicks team different from the 2021 team in your eyes, or do you think there's a big a big difference? <laughs> there's a huge difference. Two words. <laughs>
1: Alfred Payton, you know that was, yeah. that, that was the Knicks' starting point guard those first two games. Um, Who's out of the NBA and was was out of the NBA shortly thereafter. Um, uh, Nerlens Noel started at uh, center for for, yeah. that, for that Knicks team. Taj Gibson averaged twenty seven. I'm looking at it right now, twenty seven point six minutes per game that series. Reggie Bullock thirty two point five minutes. Derrick Rose thirty five minutes. Um, you know, and Rose played well, you know, so this is not to knock, uh, you know, Bullock or Rose or, but, but Alfred Payton, you know, wasn't a quality starting point guard in the NBA as, as, as evidenced by the fact that he was out of the starting lineup and, and the rotation completely, by the end yeah. of the season, um, having a healthy Mitchell Robinson starting at center backed up by Isaiah Hardenstein is a little bit better. And we all love Taj Gibson is better than yep. the, than the combo of Taj yeah. Gibson and New Um replacing uh, alfred payton with, with jalen brunson is, is i mean come on it's it's leaps and bounds um and that's not even getting into the bench um Sorry. you know the combo of iq heart obi Toppin. Um, you know, all those players, um, you know, just the it, 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 what's kind of incredible is I'm just looking at the, those those series minutes now. And Obi averaged 13.1 minutes. That was his rookie year. He may yeah. he may play less in his third season.
0: <laughs> his it's game. crazy. I know. Um, right?
1: if that's in, coming uh, off
0: of, how, wait 34 in, in the finale against the
1: Yep. And that's a, after he averaged, you know, 25, five and five in the, in the last five games or so. But um, yeah, but uh, listen, y- y- to your point, the, the Cavs are far more talented than that Atlanta Hawks team was. Um, and the Knicks certainly can get beat. Their odds are um, uh, that that you know Vegas has them installed as a pretty significant uh, uh, you know that the Cavs as a favorite. Um, there last I saw I think it was minus two ten. Uh, basically, the implied odds are sixty seven percent chance of the Cavs winning the series. Yeah. Um, you know, so so yeah, I, I, that that's kind of is what it is, which which makes sense. I mean, they have a very talented roster um, with the you know all NBA shooting guard, and and you know, and, and the Knicks have their own you know issues. I, I think it's a lot closer than 50 50. We'll talk about it as, as the series goes on. Um, but yeah. yes, listen, there's, you know, New York fans are going to be naturally pessimistic. They, you know, New York teams haven't had a lot of success here. Certainly the Knicks haven't had a lot of success. Um, the last time they got to this point, um, last time they got in the dance, they, they, they tripped and stumbled and, and were eliminated yeah. within five games. Um, and again, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if they get limited in five close games uh, this season Um, you know the Cavs are just that talented but again it, it won't but but make no mistake that this team is far more talented and the future is far brighter than it was in
0: 2021 yeah 2021 it was like uh you know that was a ragtag group of guys guys on one-year deals guys who you know were kind of on their last legs like you know Alec yeah. Burks like he was a guy where if he didn't play well that season you might have been out of the league you know you mentioned Alfred for you know he was next year basically you know living on the Phoenix Suns bench before he eventually was uh was jettisoned away now he's out of the league like that was a different thing there was, well essentially out of the league right now like it, it was an entirely different team those guys played extremely hard they played extremely yes. motivated and they bought in and it does show you that you know if a team can buy into a coach's philosophy and they go out there and play hard every night they can rack up wins in the regular season that's what that's yes is. yes um, this is this is a different this is a different animal um, yes. again you got Jalen Brunson who's a legit star at the point guard you got Julius Randle, who now doesn't have the pressure of having to do everything like he was in that first year and now he can kind of have that pressure alleviated by a player like uh like Brunson that uh, goes a long way and then like RJ mentioned like those all those young guys you're talking about all of them are much better than they were I mean the biggest one being Emmanuel quickly I mean quickly was you know a spark plug really nice player at that rookie season he had but i mean his efficiency his defense um his uh his his uh his passing his his floyd leadership like everything is so exponentially better um so like when you look at it and not to mention you know josh hard replaces someone like you know a bulllock, someone like that like i mean it's it's night and day some of these changes so yeah they, they is a, this is a much better team and i think that this is a team that is younger uh more athletic and I think that would be more up to the challenge of playing in this first round matchup. I definitely feel that way.
1: Yeah. And and also you make a good point in the regular season, you can win games on effort and yep. preparedness and, and hunger, yep. and, you know, and you can kind of eke out those wins, especially in that shortened 2021 season coming off. Yeah.
0: It's exactly.
1: all, all jumbled. Yeah, guys are missing
0: games because of, covid and yeah
1: the knicks were inc- r- incredibly lucky health-wise uh that season mm-hmm. unlike many teams um so yeah that that game is that team is is for this team has, has you know even with randall sitting out the last um how many of her games and brunson sitting out the you know multiple you know for multiple stretches and yeah. in getting the second half of the season um I, I, the talent is is night and day um and uh, you know not to mention the starting lineup which is guys coming off the bench um again and we'll talk about it you know in, the, in this in the previewing the series um that's where the knicks can if they are going to win the series i think that's going to be a major fact at like the start of the second quarter start of the fourth quarter um while it, while the cabs are incredibly talented um you know one through five one through six knicks can take advantage um,
0: when those second units are on the floor and i asked the question uh uh to start this podcast and i asked the question again what's so good about cleveland what is so good about cleveland i mean this in a serious uh manner because like, we, we, we have a Cleveland Cavaliers team that won 51 games. We know Donovan Mitchell very well, unfortunately, because of what happened over the summer, and we followed him over the course of the season where he's had probably the best season of his career. Um, Evan Mobley who could be one of the finalists for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Darius Garland, a very talented point guard, former All-Star from the year before. Jared Allen used to play in Brooklyn, played in the city, another former All-Star. Uh, who are these Cleveland Cavaliers? What do Nick fans had to look forward to or be worried about coming into this series started doing the preview for my newsletter
1: um on monday so i was you know digging mm-hmm. into numbers and this is a really good team man like yeah. I, I know i know casual you know and, you know nick fans you know like that, that even even fans that are you know heavily invested in the nba um you know names like evan mobley and and, and even you know the jared allens and isaac Okoro's and Darius Garland, yeah. familiar with them we know mitchell of course um, but the way they play together, well-coached team by Bickerstaff, um, and and first and foremost, these guys defend man, like like yeah. really at a very high level. Um, and then you watch tape, and it's and it's 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 stunning, uh, you know how how well they they cover space and challenge shooters, and the and the proof's in the pudding. First in the NBA an opponents' point per game, only team in the NBA average, you know that that allows fewer than 107 points per contest. Um, first in the NBA defensive rating, only team yeah. in the NBA allowing fewer than a 110 points per 100 possessions. Held team uh, held teams under 100 points 24 times this season. Um you know, in today's NBA that that says a, a, an awful lot. Um second in the NBA net rating um b- basically, you know, powered by this by this defense, but they're also quality shooting. They had the, the second highest field percentage in franchise history this season. Um obviously uh Devin uh um, Donovan Mitchell's the, the head of the snake in that respect, but um uh Darius Garland is also an incredibly talented offensive player. Um, And, you know, uh, you know, the Cavs are are one of just three teams, uh, the the Sixers and the Celtics being the other two, to rank in the top 10 in the NBA in both offensive and defensive efficiency. They were eighth in the NBA in offensive efficiency at at 115.5 points per game. One 17. The other thing is, you know, even when they get down, they can come back. 17 wins this season um, when trailing by at least 10 points. Um, So I, I think that could kind of be a theme as you'll see, you know, the, the Cavs race ahead and get out to a a, a, a a big lead. Knicks will come back and fight it off. If the Knicks get out ahead, they're going to let the Cavs back in the game. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a game of runs, um, and, and the Cavs have shown that well. So yeah, um, you know, we can kind of get into specifics, and we'll do a little bit today, and more and more yeah. as the week drags on. Um, but just looking in totality. Um, this is a really talented team, a very good team. Uh, they play well, both sides of the floor. And uh, when all guys are healthy, we'll see if Isaac Cora, who's dealing with a knee injury. Um, you know, he's, the, he's their starting small forward when healthy. Um, he'll probably be tasked with guarding. Uh, they'll probably put him on Jalen Brunson. We'll talk about how that cross message, cross matchups could impact the rest yeah. of the team and why I think because of that, um, one of the two smaller guards is going to be um, – they're going to try to hide him on R.J. Barrett, basically dare yeah. Barrett to shoot. Um, so we'll talk about all that stuff, and, and we'll talk about how that will impact it, um, but make no mistake – Big picture, this is not a, a team that lucked into the four seed. This no. is not a, this is not a one man show. With you know, you yeah. stop Donovan Mitchell, you're going to win the series. They have a ton of guys. They're coached well. They're unselfish. Um, they compete defensively a lot like the Knicks in certain respects. They don't have a, a top five player. They don't have a top ten player in the NBA, but they have a lot of good pieces that perform well together. Um, good chemistry, good cohesion, especially on the defensive end. Um, and it's going to make it for it's going to make the Knicks. Um, if the Knicks are going to win this series they're going to have to play their best basketball they can't um you know only play offense they can't you know get by by playing just good defense and missing shots Knicks are going to have to play as well as they played all season to knock this team off
0: yeah this is going to be a tall task. um and I think I love that you you really started with defense because I think f- for the people and I don't want to call them like you know people don't follow or casual. Right. I think people just kind of watch this team and kind of look at the roster and say, oh, okay, Donovan Mitchell, stats, offense, you know, scoring. Yep. Yep. And they can score the ball, no question about that. But, I mean, their defense is borderline scary. I think mm-hmm. they're first in the NBA in uh, three-pointers allowed in terms of the fewest. Uh, first, second in the NBA in three-pointers made. So, good luck getting three-point shots up against this team. Um, good luck scoring around the rim against this team with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Uh, it's it's interesting because Garland and Mitchell have been maligned throughout their career for their defense. Yep. But the defense that they have created in Cleveland with those two bigs playing down low, and then the other guys that kind of come in, whether it's a whether it's Lamar Stevens, some of these other guys, like they have these other defenders that can kind of hide these guys, or they can kind of funnel um, th- these star guards on other teams to these twin towers and they, they struggle and, and what they do have maybe why while they don't may not be you know, big or strong. They are quick. So they can get off the shooters. They can rotate really well, as you mentioned. So this is a extremely good defensive team, which makes this matchup really interesting because the Knicks are uh, one of the best offensive teams in the NBA, which I think is surprised people when you think of Tom Thibodeau teams. But uh, this is a team that is, I think I saw the, the Nick Muse had it as the fourth, best offensive rating in NBA history, which is kind of crazy to think about. But with the way the Knicks rebound, particularly how many offensive opportunities they get from the offensive class and the way they're able to be efficient in the half court, it presents a, a problem for a lot of teams. And what I expect to see in this series is a lot of doubling of Jalen Brunson. I thought what bigger staff said after the game, I think their finale game, when they talked about previewing the series, here's what he said about Jalen Brunson real quick and uh, what he did to them the last time they played when he had 48 game that Jalen Brunson had um, put us on high alert. And, you know, I think that's a good thing for us, um, you know, to have that appropriate fear of your opponent. Um, So again, we'll use it, you know, we'll watch the film, we'll figure it out and uh, we'll be better. That sounds like a guy who is not going to let Jalen Brunson beat them to me. That sounds like a guy who said, okay, we saw what Jalen Brunson can do. We know he's a bad man. We're not going to, you know, disrespect him by playing him single coverage. So I think if if you're the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, that coaching staff, we know some of Thibodeau's greatest weaknesses throughout his career have been adjustments and making adjustments quickly. They have to adjust quickly as to what happens when they force the ball out of Prince's hands. Cause that is definitely going to be plan A for Cleveland. And I look I think the Knicks will be able to get good shots uh, if they do that. You know, they saw they tried to do it a little bit in the second half of that game they played a couple weeks ago, obviously you're playing a team is not as much, you know, preparation as the game, like, you know, game one, but they try to do it a little bit. And we saw Nick got some great shots and Grimes had a big game. A lot of other guys had, had went off in that game. Um, The next guy be ready for that. And it means that these other ancillary pieces beyond Rando have to be ready to shoot and have to be ready to score. You mentioned RJ Barrett. He's been a nightmare from behind the three, uh, whether it's him deciding to take it to the basket or finding a way to make these shots. Like these guys can't be ducks when they get the ball. Cause I think, Brunson's gonna have to give it up a lot in this series. Absolutely. I, I will note that Okoro
1: did not play in that 48 point game. Um yes. and 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 Bickerstaff didn't and, mention that. What was
0: in. I was gonna say, I mean, he has he has a sleeve on his knee. I know he was shooting in practice. I don't think he was a full participant either, from what I saw today. So he's also kind of up in the air. Uh, agreed it, it's you know and and understandably so neither bickerstaff is going to tell you how coro doing right. tibbs
1: is not going to tell you how randall's doing we'll talk about that in, in the next yeah. segment um they're going to be you know again you know if you're if you tibbs you want bickerstaff and his and his staff to spend time preparing if o, if Obi coppin's going to start game one or if julia randall's going to start game one um you know you want to put that kind of uncertainty and, and make them dedicate time to something that they may not see um yada 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 so uh caps will do the same so um uh, just as far as a core is concerned, because they did mention, you know, hopefully we'll get him back. It'd be a big boost um, without saying he's coming back. Hinting that if, obviously, if, if he's back, that's the guy that's going to be tasked with slowing down Jalen Brunson. So it, it certainly gives him more options. Um, and then, yeah, if, if but, but I agree with you. Um, clearly, um, as he mentioned, uh, that that 48-point that outburst was a wake-up call. Um, and, you know, they're they're not going to, you know, they're ideally, you know, there, there's two schools of thought, though. And the Knicks will face the same thing. Do you throw two guys at, at Donovan Mitchell and prevent him right. from beating you single-handedly? Or do you let him get his 44 points? and and prevent anybody else from getting going um you know these are these are conversations that nick fans have had for 30 years when you know for when you, you, you yeah, let get yeah. 55 and and not let pippen score and bj armstrong get open shots and, and steve Carr and john Paxson etc um you know uh, it didn't work jordan always found the way um I know. And, and mitchell certainly isn't on that level um but these are conversations that you have and it'll be had after game one and after game two and when the guys a bad game and um you know these are the type of adjustments but yeah um and again we'll talk about it more in depth um but um the the uh, it wiped me uh and will uh you know, just this it's kind of thinking ahead it's, it's why rj barrett to me is the x factor in this series um if they're going to double team brunson um you know then, then randall's going to get more shots but again they're, you're not going to let a guy that you know the team's leading scorer you know J- uh, julius randall 25 points get easy looks either you know night right, in night out exactly. my, my i suspect they will dare and put up a big sign and say RJ Barrett we are daring you to shoot shoot three pointers um Barrett shooting 22% over the last month from downtown really struggled with his shot with his confidence um does Barrett take those threes can he make them or does he use that um distance and that and that and that spacing as a red carpet into the lane get right. get to the basket um and, and and you know make things happen that way create shots for himself create shots for his teammates bully ball you know if he's got a smaller defender on him be it you know Mitchell or Garland um, can he get those guys in foul trouble can he post up uh, work the high post work the low post um, where he's comfortable operating from um, and at least make those guys work on the defensive end even better if he can draw foul, uh, foul trouble because as we talked about one of the biggest advantages the Knicks have is their depth um, if Brunson gets in foul trouble or you know is not as effective IQ comes in um, if Grimes or, 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 or Barrett is struggling Hart comes in and he's and he's Probably an upgrade over both those guys, or can be on any given night. Um, whereas, the, whereas the, if the Cavs go to the bench um, and, and Garland's not effective, but Garland has two fouls, you know, in the first seven minutes, um, then then you then you have to rely on Ricky Rubio um, or, or uh, Neto, um, you know, Caris yeah. can play some point. But you know, the p- point point being, um, the, the Knicks one of their greatest strengths is depth. Um, whereas the Cavs, it's not the case. So all all that stuff will be factored in, and that's what makes um, playoff series so fascinating. You know, night after night a uh, quarter after quarter adjustment to adjustment um it, it's why it's so much fun
0: i love the playoffs love it it's a, it's like a soap opera it's yeah. like a you're like watching a movie um yeah. the the twist and turns changes so many things will happen over the course of this series it won't be <laughs> fun but it be, yeah <laughs>
1: It's it's like you know, we're we're spoiled nowadays because the show will drop on Netflix and you can binge, you know, twelve straight hours. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Back
1: in the day you'd have to Thursday night, you'd have to watch a show, then wait to the next Thursday night. That's what a playoff series is, you know. Game one, yeah. you gotta wait seventy two hours for game two. We can talk about it, we can yeah. rehash it, we can preview, we can Monday morning quarterback, but we still have to wait. You know, there's no spoiler alerts like you watched it, now we just have to wait for <laughs> the next one
0: yeah exactly so uh it's my favorite time of the year i love the nba playoffs my favorite i mean obviously basketball favorite sport but it's my favorite postseason by far so the fact that the knicks are in it and they have a really competitive matchup here in the first round should be a lot of fun knicks calves 6 p.m saturday in cleveland so let's give you guys that update i mentioned on julius rando so um he is the key nick whose game one status is up in the air right now Jalen jaylen Princess says his hand is good ready to go he can do whatever he needs to do so no worries there uh, Randall has been recovering from a sprained ankle that he injured on March 29th against the Heat. Tom Zibido said this about uh, Julius Randall's participation in practice and his likelihood of being able to play. Hey, he did some, yeah, making steady progress. So just take it day to day. Did he do contact? No, no. When you say some, is he
1: running? Like, with... he's doing some, some, some running, shooting, scripting. that that sort of thing meets with medical every day. So, uh, you know, when he's ready to go, he's
0: ready to go, but good steady progress each day, a little bit better. Is game one a possibility? Well, uh, game one is what Saturday, so we'll see. So, uh, Tibbs trying to keep as close to the vest as possible there to be expected with this being um, the the major storyline of this, Series right now um since there are no games players uh will randall play what is availability how good is he doing what I, what I heard there tommy i don't know how you felt like this but i i heard seems to me almost like that whole re-evaluation thing kind of maybe kind of thrown out like he's already practicing i assume he's been evaluated to at least practice so um i know the Knicks when he first said he'll be re two weeks but set him up for that friday this friday to be the day he gets reevaluated. So that was a lot more worrisome. He's saying, all right, he can't even touch a basketball, get on the court before Friday. How the hell is he going to play on a Saturday or Sunday? Now we know this game is going to be on Saturday. How the hell would he play on a Saturday, though? It's the playoffs. So, and you know, this is where all bets are off. That's it. Almost sounds like you know, Tip saying he's meeting medical every day. So it almost sounds like that whole reevaluation thing is kind of not happening anymore. And he's now kind of day to day, I think, is something I heard Tip say also in this press conference. So uh how do your how's your feel about Randall at this point based on the little you heard from Tibbs and his ability to play on Saturday?
1: The little we heard from Tibbs was encouraging. The really yeah. good news and encouraging first bit of encouraging news was Sunday before the game when there was a picture posted to Twitter of uh, of Randall sitting with his family, you know, uh with his kids on his lap. And most importantly, no boot, no walking boot yep. on, on that left ankle. Really good sign that he was able to shed the walking boot, um, essentially a week after the initial injury. Um, because again, and then you saw him during the game. Um, they showed him. I think he had some cool books on. Um, that that uh, it, the fact because it, it, when you're even a little bit dinged up, um, and we saw with with uh, um, Jalen Brunson still wearing that soft cast hand, um, and 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 in, in anytime you're near the bench, that means you're you know within three feet of you know six seven to 250 pound men running around yeah. and a ball could get flung into your foot uh, you know a guy could fall and trip into the bench um, the fact that Randall's walking around without a limp any you know and, and was able to shed the walking boot very good sign the fact and then we hear today um, you can't really ask for much more than the fact that he was back yeah. on the court no he's not dunking no he's not sprinting um, but again the fact that he was clear and it's non-contact stuff but the fact that he's cleared for you know any game scripting um, getting some shots up, um, walking on the floor. Um, really, really, all really, really good signs. As you mentioned, um, the initial diagnosis uh, or the initial announcement um, that Nick's had made, Two Thursdays ago, where they reevaluated in two weeks, so it would, it would actually be um, the thirteenth um, uh, right. was the date that they would re- reevaluate. And so that was Thursday. Um, so sure. I'm sure they're going to do all the stuff. But yeah, again, to your point, um, they would not have let him get on the court if they thought there was a chance he could reinjure himself. Obviously, um, they're, they're going to err on the side of caution. Um, if he can get in a full practice on Friday, I don't expect. I'm 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 sure they're going to list him as questionable um, mm-hmm. and, and probably list him as game time decision. Um, I don't care if he... That uh, that that would would be smart, too, uh, I think, uh, regardless of whether he's healthy or not. 100%. um, If it wasn't for the gambling stuff and the need to... It'd be somewhat honest. They would probably list them <laughs> doubtful up until you know 35 minutes before game time. Where an hour back would have done. That's what Riley would. You yeah. know that, that that that's just it. you know they didn't have all these you know these highfalutin you know accuracy 75 percent chance he's going to play yada yada yada. Um. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't read anything into that. You know when the Knicks list them questionable on the on the first. Um. You know the, the the very good news will be if he's able to get cleared for practice, and then even then they'll they'll tone it down. I think certainly he's at. At the very least, trending in the right direction. Um, and I would say there's a far, uh, there's, I wouldn't say a much greater likelihood. I will say there's a better than 50% chance, I feel as of you know, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon that he suits up for game one Saturday evening. Um, certainly a lot could change. He could have swelling after he gets a little bit increased, you know, work um, he could tweak it in practice on Wednesday. He could tweak it in practice on shoot around Saturday morning. Um, there's no guarantee yeah. you're dealing with an angry ankle injury. Um, you know, the, these things ha- can have a tendency to linger. Um, we, the things we know about Randall, he's a tank. Um, he's durable. Yeah. He's competitive any chance that he, there's any chance for him to be out there, um, you know, he's, he's going to be out there. Um, so I think, um, certainly the, the, the last two days have been nothing but good news on that, on that front. Um, for, you know, for, if we're reading the tea leaves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, hearing this is, is, is good as good. You can expect, as you mentioned, Tommy, I mean, that ankle injury, when he went down, it did not look good. Um, I was very concerned and that's why we talked about it in the last podcast. I said, look, I'm, I'm kind of, Waiting for that <laughs> chance for Randall maybe to be out and maybe this is Obi topping time in Game One and Two of the playoffs and Nick may have to steal one without Randall and hearing Thibodeau today hearing that Randall was practicing that he was running that, I mean if he's doing all that then I would be I would at this point be shocked if he does not play now bad things can happen let's knock on wood that they don't <laughs> obviously between now and Saturday but they're going this far to allow him to get back on the court to practice game script of the team then I think that means that he's probably going to be good to go barring any major setbacks, which is great news because I think that um, as important and as great as it's been to see Obi Toppin's emergence in the last four or five games of the regular season, something we saw last season as well, um, I think the Knicks in order to win the series are going to need Randall at some point to be 100% or close to 100%. I'm not saying that uh, like I said, I thought they could have started the series. Maybe he sits the first two games, and maybe they still. Won. I think that could have happened, but they couldn't play a whole seven game series. I think without Julius Randle, that would have been probably too tall a task. Just like it would have been too tall to ask Jalen Russell to carry Dallas for an entire series against Utah last season. You know, Luca came back in that series, and that helped uh, Dallas get over the hump. While da- well, Jalen kind of held him down for the first two or three games. So um, I-, I think that the fact that Randle's headed this way is great because they're going to need him uh, to beat this Cavs team, as we mentioned. Uh, maybe the best defensive team in the NBA.
1: No question. And and the other thing to keep in mind, um, regardless of how you feel about Randall and OB and how you know Toppen should have got more minutes, or maybe they should have traded traded Randall, and, and all those are valid arguments and arguments we can have. Yeah. We, it we the Knicks can't adjust on the. It's it's very tall order to beat the Cavs team. When you've been, you know, you've been practicing together as a six-month as right. one collective unit, and now yeah. all of a sudden, say, okay, you know, we're no longer, uh, you know, a passing team. We're going to run the ball.
0: Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. You don't want to go to your Plan C in uh, in the playoffs. <laughs>
1: it's, it's, exactly. No matter how talented that Plan C and how much upside, and you know, um, mm-hmm. to you know, to, to try to figure that out on the fly is is very very difficult. Um, yep. So you know, those those are, those are all things to keep in mind. And and again, as even you know, unless you're a diehard crazy Cabs fan. Um, If you're an NBA fan, um, even if you like the Cavs, you want to see these two teams clash at at full strength. Um, This is arguably arguably the most attractive first round matchup. Um, This obviously is a Knicks podcast, but, you know, (laughs) subjectively speaking, I mean, you know, there's some really intriguing West, you know, out in the West. But in terms of the East, um, there's not that much, you know, you know series you can get really jazzed about um i think you asked like nine out of ten fans are going to tell you that if the series not involving their team this is yeah. the series that they want to watch
0: yeah i feel like a lot of people don't really expect much from the nets in right. that six-year series um i think there are people interested in who wins this plan between the celtics oh i mean the heat and the uh hawks because that celtic matchup i think it, Intriguing. I don't know if I'd be worried about the Celtics, fan, but I think either one of those teams, whoever wins, that's an intriguing first round matchup. Uh, I think whoever plays the Bucs is, you know, getting, you know, F5 out of the playoffs. Uh yeah, sure. to take a wrestling wrestling reference or Brock Lesnar. The one, the one thing though is that Middleton's unhealthy. Uh um, well, that is true. The Bucs can still yeah. should,
1: definitely. I mean, you know, they've
0: been bro. they've been fine so lo- much of the season without him. It's like they look, they look they look serious like, like they look really scary right now so but i think i think I, to
1: get out of that second and third round they, they'll, they'll that's be where it
0: get tricky yeah to make the run that they expect to make which is to the nba finals yes you're right middleton is going to be super important not having them last season probably cost them another yep. shot at going to the nba finals um I, right. I think they I, w- know, I think they win the, the championship Celtics. Championship yeah it. i don't know i don't think the celtics beat them if Middleton plays so um right. So we'll see what happens with Randall, man. But it all looks like oh, all signs are a go in terms of, at least for now, him being able to play in game one. So um, let's wrap the show up here with something real quick that is important because it does kind of evolve the Knicks, at least tangentially. Um, the NBA has launched an investigation against the Dallas Mavericks after the team elected not to play many of its key players down the stretch for the regular season. The Mavs were still in play in contention. When the team decided to pull the plug on the season, benching Carrier, bringing five other players in a crucial game against the Chicago Bulls. Luka, Luka Doncic, who was not happy with the decision, who demanded to play in the game, played just the first quarter before being pulled. The NBA spokesman Mike Bass said the NBA commenced an investigation into the facts and circumstances surrounding the Dallas Mavericks roster decision and game conduct with respect to last night's Bulls Mavericks game, including the motivations behind those actions. Prior to the game, Jason Kidd said this, its decisions sometimes are hard in this business. We're trying to build a change of team with this decision. This is a maybe a step back, but hopefully it leads uh, to going forward. He also mentioned that this was a decision that was made by management, not the coaching staff. So really interesting thing that Jason Kidd would admit, essentially that they were willing to take a quote-unquote step back to go forward by not playing their players in the most important game of the season for them. Uh, The Mavs entered that game tied with the Bulls for the 10th best lottery odds in this year's draft. That is important because the Mavs owe the Knicks a top 10 protected lottery pick from the Chris Porzingis trade. So if this pick lands in the top 10, then they get to keep the pick. But if it lands outside the top 10, they would not have kept the pick. We talked about this a little bit last week and now it's now become one of the biggest stories in the NBA as we head into the playoffs though. This is still a hot topic. Um, How do you think the Mavs, well, a how do you think the NBA should handle this Mavs situation regardless this tanking? And B, are you a proponent like some have been that the Knicks should get this lottery pick because the Mavs tanked away the season, tanked the chance at uh, possibly finishing 11th in the NBA's worst records?
1: Yeah, I don't think the Knicks should get the pick. I don't think they will get the pick. Um, So I'll I'll say that because for for numerous reasons. But I Mm -hmm. will say this, this, what happened in Dallas was a disgrace. Um, It was a black eye on the NBA. Um, It is a really sets a bad precedent. Um, Again, the NBA has gone to great lengths to convince fans that the regular season matters. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because if the regular season doesn't matter, that's going to cost the NBA ticket sales. It's going to cost the NBA ratings points. um, It's really going to hurt business. It's going to hurt the bottom line. If fans think like the end, we've seen what happened with the NCAA. The tournament's awesome. But it basically renders the regular season meaningless. Um, you know, right. the you know, fans, you know, unless you go to the school or a real diehard fan of, uh, you know, a Big Ten team, you, you know, it's, just, it's hard to get invested in the action because it basically doesn't matter. Um, that's what the NBA has really done. It's gone out of its way um, to prevent from happening um right. we've seen that uh, just recently with you have to play at least 65 regular season games to cut down on the back-to-backs etc and we've seen it a few years ago when the adam silver and the league introduced the play-in tournament um and also uh evened out the lottery ad. so if you finish with the yeah. worst record you still have the same odds of getting the number one overall pick as the team that finishes with the third worst record fourth worst record um yep. so, uh, so so this is a problem on a on a grand scale for the nba um uh, people have said of oh, teams have been tanking forever. What's, you know, this is no different than that. This is an unprecedented event. Again, as, as EJ mentioned, m- as of Friday morning, you know, 72 hours left in the regular season, the, uh, the Cavs were essentially the, tied Mavs, with, yeah, yeah. the Mavs. Sorry. Oh were, yeah. Yeah. Were, 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 the Mavs were essentially tied with the thunder, um, for that, that final 10th playing spot. Well, what they had to do was win two games, Against a Bulls team which was sitting out their two best players, Um, and the the Mavs were eight and a half point favorites that morning, and then beat the Spurs team, one of the at home both both games at home. um, The Spurs team, one of the worst teams in the NBA. If they win those two games, take care of business, which they were heavily favored to do so, they just had to hope. That uh, Memphis could beat OKC in the season finale on Sunday was it likely? Probably not, because um, Memphis was going to sit its starters uh, most likely. Obviously, the Mavs didn't know it at the time. Maybe they want to get a, a fresh rep. Um, even that that even that being the case, there's no guarantee um, that OKC is going to chase you know Carter Lee, that that final ten seed because um, they've sat SGA in, in games previously. Um, it, neither here nor there. Again, the the Mavs threw in the towel quit on the season when they were mathematically still alive for the postseason this wasn't yeah. a team in January deciding to trade a fringe 34 year old good player and and letting their you know their top eight pick get get additional minutes. this was th- three days prior to the end of the season saying you know thumbing and in my opinion thumbing their nose at the league uh, keep in mind, this is a team, and this is not your typical eight seed. You know, this isn't the Jazz, whom it would be a cool story if they got in the playoffs and then got destroyed by Denver. This is a team featuring the second leading scorer in the NBA, Luka Doncic, one of the most talented and remarkable players on the planet, and yeah. Kyrie Irving, a Hall of Famer in his prime, whom they had just traded a first round pick and two other starters for like six weeks prior to this decision. Um, so, it, you know, again, I think. Cuban was upset about the ruling. I think he was upset about the officiating when they when they didn't get that game. Um, you know, they didn't get that game overturned uh, when they protested it. Um, I think it was, you know, for, for a host of reasons. Um, and he decided to, you know, basically, you know, thumb his nose at the NBA and, and Adam Silver and say, I dare you to do something. Um, because that, in my opinion, that's what it was. He was daring. He's daring the yeah. league to react and, and, you know, because we've silver has gone on record. If you do something intentionally to lose games and games aren't on the record, um, you know, justice will be swift, et cetera. Um, so he's put the, you know, uh, um, the, the league in a, in a difficult spot. And I think the league wants to come down um, and, and just wrapping up here, as I circled back to the beginning, I think stripping them of a first round pick would be a monstrous, you know, decision and, 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 you know, just handing it to the Knicks that, inv- that complicates a whole, a whole host of other issues. So then you're benefiting another team. Um, I think they would just, if, if anything, they would strip the pick and then the Knicks would get the, you know, the, the, the same the protection roll over etc um but again i don't even think that'll happen i think it'll be a hefty fine half a million dollars a million dollars two million dollars maybe a second rounder um you know so they'll and make as big a statement and a grandest statement as possible without actually impacting the encore product dallas would be my suspicion
0: i'll tell you what this is going to be very interesting this is one of those moments where I, i i wonder uh what would david stern do because yeah. we, we've heard the, the kind of sometimes legendary or infamous stories of how Davis put the fear in man when he thinks that the league is being compromised in any way. And I agree with a lot of your sentiments. sentiments. This was horrendous that this happened. I mean, this was so egregious because, like you said, tanking happens in the NBA. I technically, I personally, not technically, I personally don't even have as much of issue with a lot of tanking that does go on in the NBA. Agreed. I, I think you can make an argument right. often that it makes sense. You know, like the right it the- makes sense, and and then and then I think you make off uh, a case also that like most of the time it's not as it doesn't hurt the league as much as many people think. Uh, uh, when, when the, the it, it, Pistons are playing, you know, you know they're a terrible team. When they're playing, you know, they're four, three, four big men at the same time. Nobody's watching those anyway. Like it, it doesn't matter.
1: totally and my my thing about tanking the reason i don't have a problem with it is i think every franchise the goal of every sports franchise should be to win a championship and sometimes it may benefit you to lose a game it may put you closer to winning a championship if you lose a game or a couple games because a, you're giving your young guys younger experience who may help you win a championship down the line, or you're putting yourself, instead of having the second worst record in the league, you know, instead of being 13 and 49, right. you're 12 and 50, and that puts you in a better better position to get a guy like Wimbiana. But again, the, if the goals win a championship, the Mavs were on the precipice of getting into the dance and giving themselves a chance to win a championship. And right, they that's where the problem this is. Then. This is as open as the Western Conference has ever been in the last decade, yeah. and they didn't give themselves a chance to do that.
0: Yeah, this is that's where the problem is that yes. they the math mess with the integrity of yes. the playoffs and the play in with yes. how they this. Those teams that were never going to make the playoffs and they want to tank, they want to play guys in the G League. They my light here. Um, like they could do all that. I I don't think that really matters. I don't think anybody really cares about that. But a team that's actually in playoff contention deciding oh no we're gonna pull ourselves out at the last minute like we saw the you know the Blazers you know they had been a playoff attention but they pulled the damn little weeks ago like so they never got to a point where we could say oh you know what's going on like to pull at the last minute and do this um is a problem and I think that if David Stern was around I think that there would be a very swift penalty I mean the first thing I thought about was what happened with Joe Smith and the Minnesota Timberwolves and he maybe was too harsh on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like he took right. five first-round picks away from the Minnesota Timberwolves for that or deal with Joe Smith, which if you don't know, you can look it up. He is, they essentially signed Joe Smith to a bunch of one-year deals so that they, they could sign him to a longer-term deal that they already had agreed to, and it was circumventing the cap and how they did it. And David Stern dropped the hammer. I feel like if David Stern was the commissioner today and this happened, I think he would drop the hammer. I have not seen Adam Silver be that aggressive at least not since the Donald Sterling situation. So I don't anticipate he'll be that aggressive. But I, I do think that voiding the pick would be the right thing to do. That's what I would do. I would say, you know, like, you know I know the Heat, I think the Sixers uh, last year and this year, they, have, they had second-round picks just voided because what happened with Kyle Lowry and, um, and P.J. Tucker this year. So, like, the 57th pick, I think, of the second round this year for the Sixers, like, it just it's just nothing. There's no pick there. Like, that's essentially what I would do for this lottery pick. I'd say, okay, you are removing the lottery. We'll just put you at 10, which is where your spot would have been. But the 10th pick just won't exist. You just lost your pick. Um, that, I think, is the only way to really, you know, solve this because you you can't have this. Like, this is something that can't – you can't allow this to be a precedent the teams to say, okay, we can play it up until the last day or so of the season and decide, you know what, we're going to pull ourselves out and decide that we're going to do this. Because this was – this was so, like, kind of unprecedented because of also the circumstances. Like, most of the time, a team, you know, you make the lottery, you make the playoffs, you make the lottery. You don't, between the 14th and 15th pick, that 14th pick, like, never has a chance to be number one pick or top four. So, a lot of times there's no difference. So, there's really no impetus to, like, to tank your way into the lottery when you're that close to the playoffs. That's why, I mean, the NBA thought the playing situation would solve all this. Yes. But because of the whole protection situation. Yes. It was a person That sport. made this thing. That made this thing a lot more interesting. I kind of wonder the CBA is already ratified, but if this, I don't know. If it, that's why it's important, they do something because if they don't do something and this becomes a, a trend, this would sort of think will be something that we talked about seven years from now, saying hey, they have to maybe adjust what lottery protections you can actually put on draft picks and trades because otherwise, this is something that could happen in the future.
1: Yeah, that's but that's the that's where it, it, again I don't think it would. It's a precursor to what's going to happen in the future because. So unique. you know, it was a perfect storm. The, the, yeah, any team that's close to a playing game wants to make the playing game. The players want to make the playing. The coach yeah, I mean the Thunder play-in.
0: in theory, like they're a team that could use a lottery pick, but like they're trying to make the playing because that's extra money. That's great experience. Like it, exactly, it, it, it works the benefit of experience the, the you got a if you win that game
1: and get in the playoffs and you have two, that's another home game. If you get in the playoffs, you have at least two more home games. That's, that's hundreds of million dollars, you know, tens of millions of dollars in the owner's pocket. He's going to yeah. push for like, like there's no tomorrow. Cuban is the, it's the perfect storm of, not only uh, uh, you know are they on the outside you know they'd have to win their last two games and, and they needed help from the grizzlies but the protections is what made it so incredible in other words if the if there was no if the Mavs had their pick whether it was 10 9 8 11 13 they don't even think about it they try to get in the play in tournament and and see what happens because even if they get in the play in tournament and, and win the championship you know they, it, 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 it's it, it's not greatly impacted so um, that's the thing and, uh, this is what I will say lastly um, why I I'm avoiding the pick is such a is a, is a major penalty and I and I you, you heard it how how how, I, how egregious I thought this was Cuban's yeah. argument is going to be, that's cool. Take my pick. But if you don't um, take the Pacers pick and you don't take the Pistons pick and you don't take the, the jazz pick, then, then I, I'm, you know, I don't, well, then I'm going to burn. I, he'll sue. Down. I think,
0: I think this, I think it would be a lawsuit. I think he would sue the
1: NBA. 100%. Because in theory, the jazz technically did the same thing two nights prior. They sat Lori marketing and most of their good players when they were still technically alive for the plan. You and I both know that even if the jazz get in the playoff tournament, they're almost definitely going to lose one of the first two games and not even make the playoffs. The, the, but, but and 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 the, and and basketball fans know that the Mavs have a far greater chance of if they get into the dance. They're far more dangerous than a Jazz team, you know, with Laurie marketing and, and Colin Sexton and company. A good, good team. Right. Uh, but they're, you know, it'd be shocking if they won a couple games. But I think before.
0: the one difference though would be that Jason Kidd said in these press conferences, "We are tanking." <laughs> it, it basically. It, it, it,
1: If I'm if I'm Mark, 100% agree. If I'm Mark Cuban, I am furious. If I care, I again I think he's almost picking a fight. So he let
0: you know, kid,
1: ramble on. If I was an attorney and that was my client, you know, in other words, if I was guilty of some wrongdoing and a client speaking on, you know, the face of the company, it's like if a company got sued for sexual harassment or something, and the CEO saying, "Listen, you know, come on, girls got to, you know, stop, stop worrying about this." Yeah, boys
0: would be boys, something like that,
1: right? Exactly. (laughs) You know, he didn't understand the implications and the word and the way that language can be parsed if it comes to a lawsuit. Um, Everything he said was really was was not what you want to hear. You know, from your, your you know, from the, the guy speaking for the franchise, um, so all that stuff, and then we're and but I, I'll just say this: the 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 long term implications. Um, it, 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 there's a, certainly a scenario which exists where this really, really backfires on Cuban basically trying to show up the league because depending on how Luka Doncic reacts to this situation, um, you know, he said he wasn't yeah. happy. Um, listen, would anybody be stunned if a year from now he demands it? There's already, an, there was an ESPN, um, article about it. Um, this stuff starts leaking out anytime you quit, you tell, you force your team to quit, um, when they still have a chance to make the playoffs, um, you know, again, forty-eight hours before the end of the season—that is a—that sets a. Re- uh, we talk about culture, and and say what you want about Tibbs. Tibbs would not would would rather quit than 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 than, than yeah. give up a chance to go into a uh, than, than win a game to get into a play-in tournament. Um, y- there's a lot of things that this this will have ripple effects. It'll be fascinating to see how it plays out.
0: Adam Silver, all eyes are on you, and a lot of those eyes are in New York City. Because <laughs> A lot of people yeah. want to know if, if this could benefit the Knicks in any way. So we'll be interested interesting the to follow. I know we've gone long here. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, let's people know they can find you. At Tommy
1: Beer on Twitter.
0: You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Action EJ on Instagram. Again, thank you guys for checking this out. Of course, it's Orange and Blue Buzz, a WFN Odyssey original, a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcast including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you get the auto download feature on your streaming service so you get the episodes every time you drop. Um, we'll have plenty more episodes this week talking about the next playoffs, uh, so make sure you keep it locked there. Also, give us a rating and review while you're at it on your auto audio streaming service. Also, check us out on YouTube. You catch us both on WFN and Odyssey Sports YouTube channel. Thank you guys again for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ, and these guys, peace.